Can I just point out again, for the record, Nick said right before we started that he was going to shut his webcam off as soon as he started recording and then he didn't. And you said it was fine. Is it no longer fine? Well, no, it hasn't been. It hasn't been as good as it was since I jinxed it by saying it seemed fine. Well, guys, just, I want you to look in my eyes while this happens. Just, just look, look, and there we go. You can Wait. degrade there the quality instead but of... But I'm just looking to your eyes, though. <laughs> yeah, your eyes are still there. It's actually better resolution eyes. <laughs> Was that picture taken this in this last year? Uh, or two. Okay. Not as bad. My Twitter picture was taken like almost five years ago now. Yeah. Mike, lead us in because you have you clearly have something to say about home audio recording and we are doing some home audio recording right now. We are. I've been... I'm kind of perplexed because Rob, you mentioned the other day that a lot of podcasters will use just the Skype audio call recording and it seems to sound pretty good now mine maybe it's just where i am but it can be a little echoey depending on maybe how loud i'm talking i don't know studio area studio construction is pending and we will build that once we raise a lot more money yes yes (laughs) that's one aspect yeah make sure to like share and subscribe it's out of your hands uh, now mike we always like share and subscribe <laughs> yep the, the other so some of the podcasts i'm listening to they have audio like recording setups either like a booth or just a room that's who has a booth outfitted john roderick's building a booth oh okay or a studio in his basement okay to host ken jennings at his house um <laughs> But yeah, other other people maybe just modify their environment mm-hmm. to make it more conducive to recording. And I don't know how to do that. I mean, like I could look and I kind of have an idea of it, but in a practical sense, like you don't want to completely dedicate a space in your house just for recording. Right. It doesn't have to be just recording. It could be for all kinds of loud activities that you don't want everybody to hear. <laughs> That's true. Emma, Emma is getting into drums, so... That, oh my god, you actually need a studio. Yes. <laughs> uh. I figure if, if I constructed some panels of some sort that could be put up when I'm ready to record, but stored in the meantime. Um, there is... Be best. I, I, first of all, I want to point out, I don't think I said that a lot. Like, There are definitely podcasts that use the Skype recording as their final audio but i think for the most part it's a more of a backup like there's a program you can get on the mac called skype it's like call recorder or something and it'll let you record a phone call and then send you or it'll download or whatever sync uh, stream that file onto your computer and most podcasts will use that as a backup but it's relatively easy to do what we're doing and like just each person record their end and stitch it together I think most professional podcasts do that as their primary and then have a backup of recording of the call in case something goes south or someone loses the file or whatever might happen. So the call recorder, it treats it as one audio file. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Uh, Secondly, you should go and check out if you're looking for minimal sound treatment for a quote unquote studio, um, Marco's office. Don't air quote my studio. No, I'm air quoting any studio. Like, so Marco's <laughs> desk. Rob, area. why are you air quoting studios? They're super important. They're real studios, Rob. The uh, the place Not where he records is basically just a regular, like, office slash room, and mm-hmm. he's got a little bit of sound paneling, but it's it's done kind of almost artfully in that there's just a big section of it right above the desk, like mounted on the wall yeah and there's not much that's kind of what i envision for for mine yeah like they wouldn't have to be full wall panels just something in front of my face so that i don't get bounce back back, bounce Mm -hmm. back right because i was thinking i'm like would it be better to make a box to kind of come in front of my mic but not right at the wall to kind of like surround the actual mic right and not worry about a room 
type thing, but I don't know what effect that would have. I, I imagine. Well, I know exactly like a, what effect sound- that would have. It'd be your mic in a box. <laughs> it's your mic in a box, Michael. It's your mic in a box. Ooh. Please cut, cut me a off. hole in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Put your put mic your in mic that in box. box. Three. <laughs> cut down on background echoes. And that's the way you do it. I can't see you anymore, so I don't know if that's gone over well or not. So is that your solution? Mike, like that's that's what you're talking putting about. Putting my mic, putting my mic in a box. Christmas oh. is Mike in a box. Hanukkah, Mike in a box. Kwanzaa is Mike in a box. Every single recording day, I might have. Wow, I nope, not enough coffee yet. So, Rob, to answer your question, that is my current to- leading solution. Okay, is building some sort of box for my mic to sit in that I'd speak into. Right. The, the issue with that is if you're only if if you're doing voiceovers, that's fine. But if you're doing recording where there's also going to be video or like you want to be visible or see your computer mm-hmm. screen or whatever, right. yeah. the box blocks most of your vision. I hate when my box blocks when, stuff. So, actually, funny story. Uh, About box we, blocking. When we first got this microphone that I'm using, um, I got it with. Well, we got it at a music store for musicians and their intent was to use it to record themselves in a studio type setup. Like it's a relatively expensive mic. It's dynamic. So it's, uh, requires power and all that. And we also at the time bought this big Rubbermaid container and some sound treatment and basically stuffed the sound treatment into the container so there was as much available space as possible and then put the microphone on a little stand inside that container which is basically a mic in a box and i mean it was a mic in a box and the only reason it didn't work well it it did work for vocals and that kind of thing but it didn't work for a violin because the violin just kind of spread Mm. sound all around the room and then some of it came back into the area that wasn't covered by box But, but the high frequency of the violin would get absorbed a lot easier or like get damped there was definitely some echo but it was like that's the best possible solution except for the fact that you probably want to be like there's if there's any visual aspect to what you're doing and you want the audio and video to be synced up your face is going to be mostly entirely covered by any box that's doing its job right no offense to our video watchers but i don't really don't care about the video okay (gasps) but i mean so what i mean is i don't mean necessarily just that you want to be visible but like even with this thing contraption i have around me most of the screen is blocked so i can't see a lot of Mm -hmm. if i'm trying to read something or do something a lot of my field of view is at least obscured partly by that right so it's another thing to consider depending on again what you're doing with while you're recording audio right makes sense yeah but other than that it doesn't have to be expensive like sound treatment paneling isn't expensive if you just want to put a panel up behind the wall and i think in most cases that's probably fairly like you could just set it up see what it sounds like and then if it doesn't work return it because you're not doing anything to it like you wouldn't mount it just put it up see what kind of effect it has but i don't want to spend that much money on it though like i'd rather just staple pillows to a four by (laughs) eight Like if it was ten dollars or twenty dollars, oh, usually fine. Yeah. it's like foam. I don't like. I don't want like hundreds of dollars of paneling. Yeah, it's foam. Like it's a. You can use egg cartons if you want. Anything that deflects sound at weird angles. Right. So we're not talking about that silent room. It's a cheap version of that board. Actually, though, for real, they they've used the same technology to boost the efficiency of solar cells. Yeah, they have. If you if you get a micro texture i think they use like oh, hydrofluoric yeah. acid or something like that and it cuts like little square pyramidal right. structures in that has to do with like the angle of incidence on the glass though right so that it's not hitting at right angles well, as much in, or at incident angles that reflect a lot it it cuts down on like total reflection yeah so right. you're less normal to get reflection off of a just a straight flat surface than you are mm-hmm. one with texture because like it'll i mean if it's near uh near normal incident to the plane of the plate 
uh, it'll reflect down a couple times mm-hmm. and then you get that little extra boost. Well, the normal incidence is the ideal case, but that's not usually what you get with solar cells. Like you can't count on it. I think you optimize for it, but you can't. I think I remember reading that normal instance actually isn't optimal for total. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What I solar absorption. What I should have said was near normal, not normal. I think even like I don't think you even want subnormal. Like if you're talking like total sunlight hours per day, you get more energy absorption. I'll call it. I don't know what the correct term is. Um, Efficiency. If you're at if you're at what's that? Efficiency. Efficiency. Yeah, but I mean like total total sunlight absorbed or used to generate power is optimized when it's at like I'll say forty five degrees because on average like it doesn't need a sweet spot to get optimal absorption do you guys know what i'm talking about if at all? that were true no why would solar panels need to follow the sun if, if you can have them follow the sun then great but you'd want but them to follow the sun but slightly behind or ahead or off no axis? if you don't have the ability to follow the sun because sometimes like so, like oh. if it's on your roof See, if it's on your roof yeah. you're not going to have it follow the sun but so you want to optimize for like total average energy absorbed not right. maximum energy absorbed for a specific time of day right but we're not talking at all about a podcast or audio recording space where you're always going to be in approximately the same spot sending right. the waves out right no we're not talking about audio at all okay. we're talking okay, about just cells right now makes sense <laughs> yeah that 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 does make sense you'd want yeah, it's not the angle of incidence; it's the angle of placement. Like the area under the area under the curve. Yeah, for either your energy absorbed versus mm-hmm. time graph. Yeah, we were talking about totally different things. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that uh, it's not very expensive. Like you can go even places like Home Hardware or something might have some kind of just light foam that. Would work as sound paneling. Or Rona. Just, maybe even Lowe's. Or Totem. Or IP. <laughs> Wait, what? Are Totems actually gone now? I know they were bought. Yeah. Well, Rona, yeah, Rona bought them and they phased out all the actual that's sad. stores themselves. What's Totem? RIP Future Shop. RIP Totem. <laughs> okay. Hmm? Well, well, I didn't even hear what you said, Nick. Oh, I. what's Totem? It's a hardware store. It was Alberta. I want to say even Calgary. Oh, it was Albertan. Okay. And uh, yeah. Rona bought them a couple years ago. I think 10 years ago. after. Something like that. There, yeah. I see. Uh, okay. So before Nick joined the call, Mike and I were discussing that the last time we talked about Pokemon on the show was before Pokemon Go Fest, which seems atrocious to me, but is actually reality. So, Mike, why don't you bring us back? And I don't like we don't need to summarize the news because obviously, if people listen to the show and for the Pokemon Go stuff, they play it. Um, but what did you want to talk about today? With the new meta, we'll call it, of the game, it's not so much at all actually about defending gyms as it is about raids and coming up with a attacker lineup that will allow you to either solo level 3 raids or maximize your damage for level 5 raids or both or 4 depending four or on 5 you. sure yeah 4 or 5 we'll we'll say tyranitar and level 5 cuz no one does any other level 4 raids pretty much <laughs> well Not speak anymore, for yourself anyway. <laughs> what about snorlax you find people you find people to do blastoise raids rob yeah if i asked christ really? nobody will do a blastoise raid I did a Lapras raid last week and I was shocked that people showed up for it. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, like, I think Lapras is kind of an exception because it's cool. Well, and who wouldn't want Lapras? Yeah, the 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 relevance of the raid, like the usefulness of raids is in getting, like nobody needs a Snorlax as a gym defender anymore. Nobody needs no. a starter because they're useless in, for everything. But... Um. No, I'm sorry. In this game, for every what are they useful? Sprouts for? McGee Rex House Rob. Okay, 
Grass Venusaur, attackers are on notice now that he knows Vine Whip and Solar Beam. Venusaur might actually be the only exception, but the other two starters are good for nothing, basically. Well, Charizard's really good for attacking Venusaur, but that's about it. <laughs> right, but nobody defends with... Anyways, exactly. the, whole, the whole point of this is the raids are only good for capturing attackers. Like, that's why you can't gather people. And items. Yes, but like even with the with the way they shifted, like people wanted potions in their raids. They wanted they meant also potions, but Nantic took. Oh, you want only potions? <laughs> so it's much harder to get items with the lower level raids now. Yes, but I, I take your point, Mike. Your original. So point. so anyway, what I was alluding to is that with the emphasis on getting good attackers, people are putting a bit more effort into finding optimal lineups to reach a certain amount of damage against a certain raid boss. So with legendaries now rotating through, so they with the birds having had rotated and then Raikou being in North America for the past month, people, every time this comes up, people try to look at their lineup and say, of the ones I have, who should I power up? What moves should I change? Who should I evolve? Whatever, in order to maximize my damage for a given raid. So I was looking at, uh, there's a site called Pokebattler, and it's essentially a battle simulation site. So the, the mechanics of the battle system being well known and established, uh, both through empirical as well as just direct reading of how the damage and stuff is, is calculated. You're mm-hmm. able to set up simulators that... Uh, can give you a pretty good idea of how your attackers will perform. Yep. So this Pokebattler site, it allows you to not only look at just in general what attackers are best against certain raid bosses, but to actually, there's a function called, or a feature called Pokebox, that for free, you can put 50 of your own Pokemon, or for a dollar a month, 100 Pokemon of your own. So type level uh, attacks and IVs if you wanted to, or just CP and and attack types or mm-hmm. moves. Uh, put those in, and then it'll run the simulations with your Pokemon. So it's not only like, oh, this simulation says that Gollum is the best. Like That's pretty well known, and it's pretty easy to see what moves are best for Gollum. Yep. But I know from my list of attackers, I have a Dragonite that is maxed, that is essentially like a neutral damage atta- attacker, at least as far as the birds are concerned and the uh, the dogs. But it often is a better choice to include than someone who would have like a type advantage but be weaker. Right. So these simulations will show those cases where that is true. And I spent essentially like <laughs> a good portion of the day yesterday uh, running these simulations and like coming up with my own spreadsheet to set up like a lineup. Mm -hmm. So the way that the simulation works is it will take each of your Pokemon that you put in the Pokebox, run the simulation for it against a specific raid boss as many times as it takes to kill the boss. So you can put in like a level 20 Pidgey up against Raikou Mm -hmm. and say, go Pidgey. And it will say your Pidgey died two thousand times. Like but it will do it and it will say how much damage it dealt over those two thousand lifetimes and then it gives you your damage per second, all that kind of stuff, right? So using that information with a bit of math, you can come up with like an average per attacker per battle uh performance. Yep. Which is again like I think it's really cool. Oh, I guess we can link because I have the spreadsheet up on Google Drive. We can link the spreadsheet in case anyone's <laughs> interested in looking at it. View only, sure of course. You guys might want to. Was that view only, of course? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you have to <laughs> save a copy of it if you want to use it yourself. Uh, but I, I've had a lot of fun doing it, and a lot of people on uh, the Silk Road subreddit they they're into that kind of thing. People outside of that too, obviously. But the Silk Road is kind of set up to have those types of discussions, and it's generally called min-maxing because it effectively doesn't really matter that much when you have like 15 people <laughs> right. battling a Raikou. <laughs> or at uh, all. Or at all. 
but if you're if you're looking to get a bit more depth and content out of the game i think it's a really enjoy at least for me it's really enjoyable to to look at the kind of thing and say am i better off putting in my dragonite over my low level ride on or is my ride on better against this in this case mm-hmm. kind of thing right the other cool thing about the poker battle thing is you can put in what type of battle style you have yeah. like so there's no dodging or if you dodge like when do you dodge and how effective are you dodging are you, do you dodge successfully 50 percent of the time 75 percent of the time 90 percent of the time and it'll run simulations based on those parameters mm-hmm. so i i think it's really good I've, i'm on the dollar per month patreon thing because it's like you just want to support it i've well i want to support it. it's really cool and i've already got my 12 bucks worth yeah like yeah. just from yesterday just looking at it like <laughs> because i i've always wanted to set up some sort of like battle simulation spreadsheet and there there are spreadsheets out there that will effectively simulate battles it's not they usually don't rely on simulations it's just straight math. kind of math yeah exactly like algebra mm-hmm. that kind of thing right but when you do simulations it's it's a bit more statistically relevant and insightful than just straight theoretical math, mm-hmm. we'll call it. Again, the results are probably pretty similar. Like they might say the same thing anyway, but um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed these. I don't know what, what are your guys' experience with raids so far. What have you what have you gotten out of it since since they introduced it, specifically the legendary raids? My God, we are we are going back, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um. I want to shout out Reddit user Ryan of the Day, who ha- he just he has put out the single most useful series of uh, legendary raid counter information. <laughs> I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna link you guys to the first one that he, it, that I discovered ones, that right? he put out. They're 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 useful, they're but they're joke yes. ones. Yeah. What? What is funny about this? This is serious rating information <laughs> and this stuff. Okay, now where did I put the window with you guys in it? There we go. Did he do an NTA one I, yet? I, uh, he just put it out today. Okay. We'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. Oh, it's... <laughs> I'm yeah, just reading it, it for the first time now, and it's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it to you guys as well so the legendary raids i gotta say i was enjoying them more when i lived near gyms um i haven't done a legendary raid since it might be the last time mike and i were together what are you serious yeah when how long ago was that you and kai and i all went out together yeah yeah i i commute into work and then I commute back where I'm sleeping and there's no gyms here. I guess, yeah. I keep figuring you're not downtown anymore. Mm-hmm. That would that would hurt your abilities to raid. It, quite a bit. it, it cripples them, I would argue. <laughs> <laughs> there's a Calgary group that organizes though, right? Like on Discord yeah. or something. And how am I supposed to get to the raids? Bike? <laughs> so, Rob... <laughs> It's, it's hard to... It's an hour to bike into downtown. No, not downtown, but outside. Rob, it's hard to get people for suburb raids, for level five, like for legendary raids, when you require at least like six to seven people. Yeah. Unless you're in like a coordinated group for that area. Sure. Like I have one for like the two or three neighborhoods next, like myself, mine and the two next to me yep. pretty much. But even for that, it's pretty hard, especially toward the end of the month, mm-hmm. to get people out for raids. Like right now, like this weekend, people are going out to them. So they'll say, hey, there's one here, one here, who's coming, whatever. Yeah. But again, unless you have a car to get to these raids, unless you have other people, enough people in your neighborhood, like a specific neighborhood, not yeah, just yeah. a general Calgary chat, but for that specific neighborhood, then it's, it's you're going to have a bad time. Right. Whereas, like, when you're downtown, like, you and I are during the week, like, you can basically show up at any raid and just, there'll be either already people there or just people will just stream in. Yeah. So Without having to coordinate it. I I get the sense that our Discord is a little more organized than that, than what you're describing, because 
we have like the the mods have separated our discord into basically wards so there's like 20 different raid groups mm-hmm. with geographic boundaries set and so if you post a raid there you're you're only posting it like the only people that are actually following it are people that are within that little 10 or 15 that, minute radius as far as i know that's very common for for discords but you're saying that yeah no ours, that ours has that too but there's not active people in all of them even if it's by quadrant you don't have the population it's not quadrant it's by like it's literally by ward there's like 20 of them okay oh, so okay. just no, ours is by quadrant shut up for a second um <laughs> now the the edmonton discord group had it broken down very well yeah like oh, if we don't care about edmonton <laughs> well i mean <laughs> that's pretty cold to say today mike <laughs> that is true sorry the crazed oh, lunatic just ran around soon. trying to kill cops yeah yeah but nobody cares about edmonton mike not for race jeez <laughs> yeah no um but it was broken down very well i thought like each area was especially if you had a car you could get places <clears throat> but even then like we traveled out of the downtown core a couple times just chasing lugia i think it was and it it wasn't good like it it was difficult getting enough people together even huh. i mean even with uh, legendary pokemon yeah it's odd and and again it depends on when in the time frame you're trying to get them yeah so right now like when i went out with nick and kaya it was what would you say halfway or a third of the or three quarters of the way into the month nick yeah probably halfway we'll call it and by then most people have had got raikou did you so the yeah. the only people that were at these raids that we went to were pretty much the group that we formed mm-hmm. through the chat group that I had, but no one else really just showed up to do it. Did you try to do like one, one at the very end? In our chat group, like no one was going out to Raikou toward the end. So in at least in Ottawa, in our Discord, the last couple days were crazy. Like you'd have, well, at, as the timer yeah. started, there'd be like, honestly, 50 people there. Yeah. The last couple of days was an exception because people were like, oh crap, I better go yeah. get one. But in, in the, in that f- third and fourth week, like pr- except for the last couple of days, people weren't responding to these, uh, requests, I guess you can right. call them to, for people to show up to these raids. Mm. So unless you were downtown, even downtown, it was hit and miss. Like unless it was right at the lunch hour and people were using their free pass. Right usually wouldn't have like you, probably this week with uh ente being released you'll have people show up you know 10 a.m 2 p.m whatever like yeah, any time yeah. during the day downtown but once that third and fourth week hit it's going to be lunch hours hmm. basically and and after that no one else is is going to make a point to come out in the middle of the day to do it speaking so, of mike do you want to have a play date again some weekend go out ente raiding <laughs> Of course. Awesome. We can, we can do that instead of going to that movie. Oh, if you want. That, that <laughs> looked, did look like <laughs> a cool movie. Okay. Like so we're, we're going into social plans corner now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Rob, to answer your question, basically, yeah, toward the end, unless it was lunch hour downtown, you weren't really going to find people right. showing up to these things. The thing like, and maybe, maybe this is Ottawa being different or maybe this is just kind of my mentality showing through, but I feel like if you had the, if you had the knowledge that if you went to a, like now that the eggs give you an hour notice, if you show up five minutes after, or like two minutes after, or right on the start of the egg and you have five or 10 minutes to wait around, if you had the expectation or everyone in the city had the expectation that you'd be able to do that raid, people would show up, right? It's the, it's the idea that even if you wanted to go, nobody else would be there. That's the problem. That's why everyone wants the raid lobby to actually let you say, like, I'm interested. I'll be there. Right. So what our Discord does. Oh, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, like, you might have eight people who would go yeah. if they knew people were going to be there. Right. But because none of them know everyone else, the other seven want to go to, yeah. then no one shows up. Right. But it could be eight of them yeah. if they all knew each other wanted to go, right? That, that's been my experience. And so our Discord has been really good with that because anyone can just ping a raid that 
like you can set up alerts for specific Pokemon. Like you can specifically set up, I want to see all the legendaries or you can name any of them by name. And anytime anybody wants to do one, like if I'm even vaguely interested in starting one, like if I'm like, okay, I could go at this time. I'll just start, I'll just ping everybody with the raid, who it is and the location. And then people can just react with an emoji to show interest. Like that's been like, I've never seen that fail. I've never seen anyone complain that it didn't work. And sometimes if you're in a rural area, you might get no interest. But if there's anybody that's interested and they're watching, then you'll get a raid. Rob, I'm going to quote you and say, well, bully for you. No, but so I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm saying like, I think the problem is that the lot, like there's no interact, there's no in-app communication between players, but in order to solve that. I think the problem is that when we say suburban, you consider yourself suburban. I don't. And don't actually appreciate where you live. I've done. Robbie do though, actually. I've done two or three raids that I can't solo in my area or further. And it's only because I had coordinated with people in advance to say, we'll be here at such such a time. And a bunch of people committed to that. Other than that, I've never been able to get any. I think I've I've gone and showed up at raids right at the beginning, and in the middle and near the end, and there's nobody there. Like if you don't coordinate, that, are, that completely contradicts raids? what yeah. you just told us, though. No, but so I'm saying that's why I'm saying is that the the ping system lets you know whether people are doing it or not. Yeah, like we have like any Discord. I don't think you can actually ping that many people, but like people follow along. Yeah, they do a different. They do it. They've set up a weird system because the the Discord group has more than a thousand people, so you can't directly ping everyone. Like the at everyone doesn't work, but you can set up keywords that you basically follow along to lists of keywords, and so you don't have to ping everyone. You just ping a Pokemon name, and that triggers everyone that signed up for that Pokemon to yeah. get a ping about but- it. Yeah, but everyone has to do that themselves. If they want. You can't, if they want, right. right. So you're relying on people to take it upon themselves do. To, to do that. In your because case, it's very yeah, easy because you just hit. You're fortunate that they have. You just tap, what is it? I don't even remember anymore. It's like uh, watch and then legendary or whatever it is. And it subscribes you to the notifications. Like it's very straightforward. If it wasn't, mm-hmm. I don't think it would work that well, but it does. It works very well. That does sound nice. Right. Hmm. Not not in suburbia. So, it's not going to generate raids when there's no interest. But if there is interest and everyone's just kind of disparate and doesn't know about each other, then it can bring them together. I, so Nick, coming coming yeah. back to battle mechanics, I want I want to talk about that for a bit mm-hmm. because I am interested in hearing your thoughts on the min maxing thing and trying to tweak your your lineup if you have for for these raids. Again, either for level three solos or Tyranitar slash level fives. Like have have you have you used anything to to tweak your lineup or have you just played around with it yourself to see what works best or or what have you kind of done? I think we've talked about this before, and I prefer having uh rather than having like six Tyranitars just all at level thirty point five or whatever the breakpoint is. Um, I prefer having a more diverse group at my disposal, and I mean I know that the consequence of that is that I can't solo higher level raids, but I would prefer having like a couple Tyranitars because now I have one with stone edge and I did want one with stone edge, but I have a Tyranitar. I have two Tyranitars and I would prefer taking an Umbreon in, in addition to that, or I don't know, something else that can exploit some weaknesses, like having a really high level Sizor instead of, another tyranitar Hmm. but right is this answering your question at all about my lineup kind of like you you're not so what so say when you're going into a raid with say 12 people okay like a legendary raid like you know you're gonna beat it so that's not an issue yeah at that point you're looking to maximize your damage Mm -hmm. to whatever end that might be so when you're doing that how are you setting up your lineup? You're just doing the same thing with type advantages, basically. Uh, yeah. Like, so would, you, would you take in? Would you take in an Umbreon over your maxed out Dragonite against Raikou? Against Raikou? Or not Raikou? Against uh, I guess Umbreon's not a good example. Like Lugia. 
say like a low level Rhydon against Raikou versus your Dragonite? Oh, that's tough. And th- this isn't a question specifically for you. This this is everyone's dilemma because even when you're standing in a circle of ideally twelve plus people, where it's not going to matter, but. The other day, uh, well, I was telling you guys about this story, how we were trying to five-mana Raikou. And I could, I'd say we could have easily done it, but at least done it, period, if I was able to pick everyone's lineups. <laughs> not not to say that I'm the best at it, but... But you were the like, best in that people group. Went in, but I've, I've people been in these in groups, their... and I've seen what people use, and I'm like, yeah. what, what, yeah, well, so... An example would be Kai and I went to a Blastoise raid once and there were about eight people standing around and we said, oh, have you guys gotten it? Because eight people standing there, you'd assume. They're like, no, we're having a lot of trouble with it. And Yikes. Kaya and I and like one other person had just shown up and we made sure that everyone who was actually standing there for Blastoise was getting into the same group. And so... I mean, people were like, I don't know, it's pretty tough. And I was like, listen, guys, <laughs> there are 10 of us. We've got this. <laughs> and oh, how I could have rude my words. Um, so I went in with, I think, a couple Venusaur, a couple Exeggutors, and then Jolts all the way down. And that particular Blastoise had Ice Beam. So... That was tricky for the grass attackers and that it would just kind of one hit KO them. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I looked at the battle animations that were happening and someone was using rock smash <laughs> and I was thinking, I thought about it and I was like, okay, wait, <laughs> what Pokemon would you be using that knows Rock Smash? There's not a single useful Pokemon in this scenario that knows Rock Smash. Like, I assume someone is using Polyrath because mm-hmm. it resists the attacks well. And in that moment, I went, oh, I see why you're having problems beating this Blastoise. Yeah. Or like... Like, I've, I've run into people that say that they literally just go in with whatever... It auto selects for them. Yeah, I, chances be damned, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's getting better about that. That depends, though. Chances. Rob, it doesn't depend. No, no, no. Um, what depends? No, Rob, it doesn't depend. Can I say so one Mike, sentence? I'm not defending that idea, but if okay, I go you can into, say one sentence starting now. It, I'm just gonna run on it. Uh, so if I go into a Raikou Was raid, that a semicolon? <laughs> and it picks Rhydon, Donphan, and Golem. And that's like those six. Well, obviously you go then with I that. Don't, like, I don't have to change right. anything. Like it doesn't, right. especially if there's 15 of us, like it doesn't matter. Right. So when, when I was doing Articuno, it was pretty bad at emphasizing resistances. Like yeah. it would pick all my water Pokemon against Articuno because right. it resisted the ice attacks really mm-hmm. well but it's like i don't want to use Articuno. yeah no you, water Pokemon, you don't right? get the dps that way right yeah. it's like, so I, like so, and i guess <laughs> what's up sorry nick I'll, I'll let you finish your blastoise story no that was the, my blastoise story but the other story i have that's relevant is when we were down this is the one like suburban raid that actually worked out for us when we were hunting lugia it was the one where Kaya finally got a Lugia, which was nice. So against Lugia, especially if it knew Hydro Pump, I was taking in uh, Tyranitar, Gyarados, and Umbreon was my anchor because Umbreon just has outrageous defense stats while also getting super effective dark attacks in. And so we were sitting and chatting with each other um, about Pokemon selection. And he said, one person said, like, I mean, I feel like if we all pick pokemon intelligently like we we should be able to beat this if we have about i think it was 12 people and i i just like jokingly said that's right no blissies and a couple of us chuckled and then another guy looked over and said not even with pound and hyper beam (laughs) i was like yeah no it's blissey has the same attack stat as a pidgey like you could just bring in a Pidgey and have the same effect. And there's just this pause and like, well, what about Snorlax? <laughs> it's like, 
I mean, Snorlax is okay. It's definitely better, better. than Blissey. Yeah. And I swear to God, like six Snorlaxes started that raid <laughs> against Lugia. All using, a bunch of them using like Zen headbutt. Yeah, right. I was going to say. <laughs> so wait, people took you, you saying that as like, oh, okay, I can use the Snorlax then. It's like, no, that's like second worst, not. <laughs> yeah, it's like they were going to start using Blissies, but then I talked them out of that and they're like, oh, well, Snorlax. Yeah, that that's much better. Yeah. And I mean. Yeah, it is much so, better because Snorlax is actually capable of delivering damage. But God, when we were trying to do our five man Raikou, it was like we were so close. We only needed like two or three more seconds and we would have had it. So I'm like, and but in that time, in that session with the two or three Snorlax or two or three seconds, one of the guys used a Steelix. And I can guarantee you that Steelix is not God, very high level because people generally it. don't power up Steelix. Well, so it's not like, usually. Okay. I think I'm Not the only usually. one with like a close to max Steelix. What would you consider close well, to max? Well, I, I have an actual max Steelix. Oh, baller. That's Good my you. 100% one. What would you consider max or close to max? I'm trying to... Max for your level. No, but <laughs> max, like what? what's max? What is it? Over level 30, Rob. Mine's way over level 30. Mine's 2013. Maybe that's around level 30. Probably. Anyway, point is this guy brought in a Steelix. And it's not going to do very much. No, not it's when you're not. trying to five mana Raikou. Mm. But he picked it because ground it's type? ground type. Yeah. Which I totally get. That's fine. Like, I, I get that you're trying to type match, right? So, it's like, and so I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you have something with higher attack, like, you know, even like a Dragonite or something, right? Because people, most people have like a pretty strong Dragonite. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I have a max perfect Dragonite. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. Yeah. Yep, no, that, that, that would do it. Uh, <laughs> let's try that. <laughs> So I'm like, let's do, I, I said, let's do the exact same thing we just did, but use that Dragonite instead of Steelix and we'll be fine. Right? Because we only needed two or three seconds and this Dragonite would have done it. Yeah. And did it? And uh, no, <laughs> failed by even more what? time this next time around. I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> but So Rob, uh, yeah. because you were asking, my my Steelix is 2216. Okay. Yeah. And it has a ways to go. I think it's level, well, especially because you get like, what, 15 per power up? Because it's, yeah. yeah. I, I'm guessing around level 35, 36 or so. Hmm. None of Mine's mine are very good. 2350 so. hmm. and it's 37 and a half. Okay. My power up is currently 7,000 stardust and eight candies. So I do have a way to go. Hmm. Never mind. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> Where's my Umbreon? So, in terms of the the stories that I have relating to simulations and interesting things, for me, it's mostly like the raid equivalent of uh, putting in themed gyms. I like seeing. <laughs> I like seeing that. Uh, what was it? It was Tyranitar, or was it Lugia against a bunch of Murkrows? Like, if we put in twenty maxed out or level thirty Murkrows. And like each mm-hmm. each of the twenty of us has six Murkrows that are pretty high level. Right? Can we take down this Tyrant or this uh, Lugia? And Lugia. That's the kind of thing I like seeing. It's like people thinking of interesting ways, or people that recreated the loading screen with the Tyranitar and like facing a Pikachu and a Hopip and a Cyndaquil. Oh, I hadn't Man. seen that one. That would be okay. funny. Yeah, those are the things that I look for more than like trying to get the most like being instinct and in a place that's dominated by the other two teams i'm lucky if i get more than like eight balls so i'm Rob, looking to maximize those in any way you've just described everywhere well i know i know i've described most places but that's what i mean is that no in our area instinct is overrun <laughs> We're, we run this part of town <laughs> well you're also very well organized yeah yeah i i mostly get annoyed because it's and it's it's not it's like my perception of people so i know that I'm obviously biased, but it seems like if I put in, if I put Pokemon in gyms close to me, the other two teams never let me get to eight hours. They only let me get one or two coins before they take the gym back. I'm like, there's no incentive for me to do gyms. And so you're just going to be stuck in that gym because nobody's going to take it down if you just put it right back. Like let people get their coins. You can't. I don't know. I don't let people get their coins. Sorry? Not intent. I don't let people get their coins. Not intentionally. No, not, but, but like. If I'm going to take a gym, I'll take a gym. 
I do like, consider if if I already have a couple, like if I'm likely to already get my coins for that day, I'm not going to take down a gym just to like have another one. I will look and see. Oh, has it been eight hours? Are they? Am I actually right. potentially getting them coins? Oh, I see what you're saying. Then do it. But I do consider that, and I feel like everyone else just like, oh, someone took my gym down. Got to go take it back. It's like, come on, have some rotation here. Yeah. You got your coins. <laughs> take it easy. No, no, I, I disagree. Well, especially when I was well, especially when I was unemployed and in Edmonton, I would like, I would paint paint my little section of town yellow. Yeah, and if I saw one that was going to be particularly problematic, I'd wait to take that with Kaya later in the day. Right. Wait, what would be problematic? Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> if it would take like a longer time to grind four out. minutes? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think gyms pretty much only take max like 15 minutes. If it's, if it's like fresh. High blissy. High bl- yeah, fresh, high blissy, high snorlax. That's like it. For, and then high high a bunch of other stuff maybe yeah but at the, the same time issue, i can wait for it to demotivate and come back yeah, later exactly under the old yeah. system you could at least it, like it would take a while to if there was more than one blissey it would take a while to get through them multiple times yeah but with the current system time when they don't is get an weaker enemy. each when they don't get weaker each time yeah. in the old system either exactly. right like in this one if i'm facing like a three thousand plus blissey and it takes i don't know I guess less than 90 seconds, like however long mm-hmm. it takes to take one down. And it's like, Oh, like won't have to do that that long. Exactly. Again, right. Like the next time will be 30% easier or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I do like, I do yeah. like that the current gym system forces diversity. Mm-hmm. Me too. I almost want more of that. Like I'm kind of sad that you can't put any legendaries in gyms. Like a lot of people are. They're, they're all kinds of rules, but I really don't see like each of them are type specific enough that they have counters that they would go down. They wouldn't be, yeah. they wouldn't go down worse than anything else. So I don't, I don't really see the logic in, in having no. a limitation. I can see them. Like once the legendaries have all been released, like everyone has had a chance to get mm-hmm. one. I can see them allowing them in gyms. Yeah. Like possibly their mindset is like until everyone has one or has had the chance to get one, they don't want to have them in gyms. Right. But then once everyone's had a chance, I was like, oh, now you can put them in gyms. Yeah, I hope like, that happens. Maybe one legendary per gym or whatever, right? But even then, like, why? Who cares? I don't see the problem. I'm, I'm saying, like, if they want to have some sort of level of rarity or prestige, they can have some rule about sure, how many legendaries so. in a gym. Right? Or or maybe or I, th- I saw one suggestion that everyone can only have one legendary in a gym at any time. That, like... I mean, those are... Like, they seem arbitrary because you can have... Like, if you have a Tyranitar, a Blissey, a uh, Dragonite, a Snorlax, a uh, Rhydon... Like, you can have over 3,000 Pokemon yeah. and they'll yeah. be just as hard to beat as any of the other gyms and they'll decay really, really quickly. Like, it, it doesn't seem like that big of an impediment to defeating a gym. If anything, it would take like 5% longer if you had a bunch of maxed out legendaries in a gym and you tried to battle it immediately as soon as it was put up. The reason I support not having legendaries in in gyms is more that like in traditional Pokemon lore, uh, legendaries aren't ubiquitous. Like they should be rare. And I mean, it sounds like the reason that the legendary birds became so prevalent and the legendary beasts by extension is just how badly go fest screwed up Mm -hmm. and so i i don't actually like how common they are but but they are though like they they are now and that's that's just the reality so it doesn't make sense to have you know people with literally 30 of each legendary or more and Mm -hmm but not allow them to be put in gyms but you also don't because everyone has one you still don't experience baby pokemon in the wild because that's part of the pokemon lore yes i I see it's not really the same it's it's not the same i see reasons for doing it but it just kind of seems like by all means have one per gym have something but right now you can catch a perfect like 100 percent legendary max it out and it's a trophy that sits in your case and you can't do anything else with it except battle like nobody which is never what be able you would do in the main series games but this isn't supposed to be a main series game this is supposed to be interacting with other people 
and admiring each other's accomplishments i guess i kind of like yeah i mean i I don't i don't really i've never been one for jim showboating but i mean showboating just like here's the thing that i've been working really hard on yeah like when when you see a maxed out 100 percent tarantula at the top of a gym it's like wow that guy is either a spoofer really lucky or worked really hard for it and that's fine you can draw whatever conclusions you want but you still notice it's sitting at the top of that gym maxed out although that's great I just don't usually care. You don't actually do that. What's that, Nick? You say you don't usually care? I don't usually care. Like, every song I'm really like, you don't, you, that's you don't nice. Get pre- right, that's that's the only reaction that you'd go for. Okay. It's not trying to generate, like, envy. It's no. just anyway, like, hey guys, if you check think, out my cool Pokemon. If you think the gym meta is stale now, imagine if it was just legendaries in gyms all the time, because that's what it would get to. I don't think it would. I don't, I don't think it's stale. I don't think it's stale now. I think it's pointless. Yeah. Okay. Except for getting coins. The, literally, the only reason I put any Pokemon in a gym, unless I already have three or four in gyms at the time, is because I want that type of candy, and so I'm going to feed them Stardust to get that type of candy every one in a hundred or whatever the drop rate is. That's okay, because I'm still reason. I'm still defend I'm still picking defenders based on what I think is going to defend the best. But it's all theoretical because someone can take it down without any added difficulty well no but like if if i'm putting something in behind a blissey or a snorlax usually i'll go for like executor because i know it stands a chance of hitting like i'm a champ with confusion right before it can advance to the next thing just like making it more difficult for Hmm. for the for the attacker right but ultimately that just means one extra difficulty is hyper potion marginal (laughs) <laughs> and that. that's the difficulty I want to cause for the attackers. Right. No, and, and it's and like it's it's a completely valid approach to the gym mm-hmm. system the same way with raids if you're trying to min-max and optimize your lineup. Like ultimately it's you're you're saving yourself 2 seconds or you're getting an extra 0.5% damage. Like it's it's nothing, but it's an added element to the yeah. game. Yeah. I I've, I've started experimenting when I'm taking a gym down now like Obviously, I had been trying to take down everything, like run through the lineup with one Pokemon. But now I'm at the point where I'm trying to kind of not just diversify defenders sometimes, but diversify attackers. So like a raid before, uh, a few days ago, I used a Hound, uh, not a raid, sorry, a gym. I used a Doom, and it was amazing. Like it wasn't, it was good against stuff that I didn't even expect it to be good against. And so I'm going to use it more often. Like I'm, I'm what do you mean? learning. What do you mean that you didn't expect it to be good against? I don't know. Like because I, I Rob doesn't know type advantages. Fire? Yes. Yeah. Dark but like fire. it did better than I thought against just like as, as a general attacker. Right. Yeah. Well, it's got a decent attack yeah. stat. Like it's pretty high. I, I never would have guessed. Right. Unless you've either looked at the stats or just tried right. it. And I'm never, ever going to yeah. look at the stats for right. anything. <laughs> That's how I always feel about Kingler too. Like, because it's got like such horrible movesets. Mm-hmm. But when you use it, like it's chunking off damage at a pretty good pace. Like it's it's got, I think, pretty similar stats to Hound Doom in that sense okay. that it's got, it's attack heavy, but just super glassy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But as a generalist, like it's pretty decent. Hmm. Except when it has bug moves, I've noticed. X Scissor is not bad though. X Scissor is pretty good. I haven't had good. Like it's actually with best <laughs> best charge move. Well, depends who you're using it against. You don't want to use it against something that resists sure. bug. Rob, and you also had why. a Rob, you also had a very good experience with a Don fan with counter and earthquake earthquake yeah. against a Zapdos. So mm-hmm. with due respect. <laughs> well, and against Blissey. That Don fan kills Blissies. Yeah. I Don bet Don it does because it knows really counter. Sense. Yeah. I don't imagine that it does a whole lot of damage <laughs> against Zapdos, though. No, it does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I- King Kingle is actually good against Blissey as a generalist. Oh. Again. interesting in a raid i never notice if something is doing a lot of damage or not because everyone's contributing the amount of damage like, i know I just can't and that's it. why i say that don fan doesn't do a lot of damage you were just in a raid mm. so have you guys been in like a 10 plus person raid and gotten two damage balls before i think so i think so as well i, I don't think i've ever had three but can you get three I, not from a 10 plus per like so the way that damage balls are distributed is i believe it's five percent if you do five percent of the damage you get one damage ball if you do five to fifteen you get or sorry five to fifteen you get one damage ball fifteen to twenty 
you get two. And if you do 20 or more, you get three. Hmm. I might be mistaken. So, so to do, to get two damage balls with 10 plus people, you have to have done 15% of the damage, which means someone wasn't right. pulling their weight. Which I, I'm always shocked by. Like, I've had two damage balls in 10 plus person raise. Like, I'll still usually, again, optimize for maximum damage, but I pretty much know I'm only going to get one damage ball either hmm. way. And then when I see two of them, I'm like, how did I get two? Like, because yeah. I'm usually paying attention to who's attacking as well. But again, it goes back to like, if someone's using a 1200 CP ride on, like that's going to do right. nothing, not much damage, right? Regardless of type matchups, right? And so that's kind of what I was getting to with my, uh, my Raikou story is like, you can focus on the type matchups, but unless you actually look at your lineup and compare, you know, your strongest generalist attacker versus your type advantaged attackers like you might actually be better off using your high machamp or dragonite than than your low level ride on which again i've i found to be the case with this these poker battle simulations like even my machamp is like pretty decent for dps even in uh neutral type advantage yeah i heard an argument last week and it really kind of changed my perspective on the game uh they were talking about how much experience you have versus how long you've been playing the game for and we've talked in the past about how when we when the game first came out, like you barely got any XP for anything. Now you get so so much more. But the, if someone has been playing for two months, really really heavy, or three months or something, and they're at level thirty seven, where I am now, their team mm-hmm. is going to be so like their Pokemon are going to be so so much worse than mine, unless they're yeah. like unless they're paying a lot and like doing other tactics. But if they're playing the same way as me, they might have the same amount of XP as me. But they're not going to be as good because they haven't had the same amount of time to collect Stardust and collect candy and all that stuff. Just because yeah. experience well, is so collect particularly to strong Pokemon too. Like right. that's that's a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, I was thinking about the Stardust rate too before because, like you were alluding to, you generate XP a lot faster yeah. now. But I felt before I was c- collecting Stardust about as quickly as I was leveling yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So it basically, timed up well mm-hmm. that when I leveled up, I was able to max out what I wanted to. And then I'd accrue Stardust until the next time I leveled yeah. up. But now, like, you can level up way faster than you collect <laughs> yes. Stardust. Except for these Stardust events, obviously, right? Even but, then. Um, but even then, right? So, yeah, for sure, it's it's a, it's a lot different now if you're just starting yeah. out. And you're, you're going to have a different looking yeah. uh, lineup, I guess. Like, I remember when I was at level 30, I felt like a lot of my Pokemon were at level 30 with me. And now that I'm at level 37, I think only one of mine is actually at level 37 and a half or whatever the uh, max level is, whatever it is. Um, There's only my Jolteon, I think, is actually fully maxed out just because he's my favorite. But I only have I only have two that are maxed out currently. Yeah, but oh, really? Other people, if if Sprouts and Sprouts and Mrs. Doubtfire, my Blissey. If there are level 30 players that like are hitting level 30 today, for instance, they're not going to have all their Pokemon at level 30. Like there's no way. It's just not like you gain XP so much faster than you're able to power them up. Yeah. Yeah. There's someone in our chat group who started, I think she probably started the account whenever and then didn't play and then got back into Mm. it. But she still doesn't have a lot of like the starters or like a Blissey and like all these types of Pokemon that most people who've been playing for a while have so she's going to like she's she's wanting to do these blastoise and charizard raids or venusaur Mm -hmm. raids and no one else is doing them right now because people if they were going to do them they did them when they first came out yeah um so i i feel bad for people who kind of missed on like the events that we had like the halloween events or some people i see on reddit all the time people don't have like gengars yet like oh wow like how do you not have a gengar yet like were you not here last yeah. year but a lot of people they didn't start until like spring or summer of this yeah. year i don't think i'd have a marowak if they hadn't been for the halloween yeah events. no exactly <laughs> yeah i mean i would because i'm a completionist of the pokedex but yeah right. um yeah it's it's a weird thing and i really like that the gen 2 ones are level one raids because it makes it super easy to get 10 candy at a time if, but there's no way to do that for the Gen One starters, and I would do that. Oh, for the for to get ten to get candies, candies. At a time, like yeah, you can get right. twenty candies if you're able to get enough people together to do a level four raid. But right, yeah, I still don't have a for alligator. Need to get on. You should that. probably do I some Croconaut raids. Yeah, I don't have a for alligator either. <laughs> Mine is so good. I'm so happy with it. 
I'm still walking my totodile. Got to max him out. I I didn't know you were Rob, but I'm not at all surprised. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cute. He's actually got a fairly high maximum CP. I bet he does. And he's got bite and crunch. So, oh god damn it! I'm walking my Lapras. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I. So that by the time I I level up, I'll have enough to power it up again. I was walking my Lapras until I hatched two of them. And then I got five 10k eggs that are probably going to be mostly Laprises because <laughs> that's all you I, get in this event. I actually got a, I got a bunch of Snorlax actually. Really? None are better than my current, like almost maxed out Snorlax, but yeah, I haven't. Oh, I got a couple Lapras actually. They were also terrible. Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you guys my lap. My best Snorlax is the one like my first hatch from way back whenever and it was a basil the best of them so that's the one i just powered up yeah and they had it i got a second higher level highest level one that wasn't as good but i kept powered up to sit in gyms so i was checking ivs the other day and i was like i don't think i've ever checked the ivs of my good snorlax like i knew it was a battles of the best of them and i just powered it up so i didn't yeah. really care so i checked the IVs. it's just a 96 percent nice. snorlax <laughs> and i was like wow that's lucky yeah <laughs> the, the one that i happened to to keep that was up hatched was, during the wild was that, high? that was okay. hatched that that's nice. <laughs> like the first one i caught was a lower iv one in the wild and then my next one was a hatched high iv one yeah yeah my my first snorlax hatch was was battles with the best of them and i was like oh my god this is my guy <laughs> and he's, yeah exactly he's uh faf so no 96 oh, percenter yeah, right. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, Mike. Oh, I'm really glad we got some topic diversity in this this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have any other thoughts on Pokemon Go? No, but I think we might miss my consumer tech story for the third week in a row. How? How? That's not true. How long is your consumer tech story? Because it might fit uh, pretty well right now. Not very long. Well, why don't we do that then? I just, I've yeah. made a consumer tech purchase and I'm very happy with it. And I think the viewers might like to hear about it. I know I would. Or the listeners. I'd like to hear about it. All right, guys. Well, one moment. I got a new beard trimmer. <laughs> Ooh. Of course you did. And after freehand beard styling for mm-hmm. actual, like, probably over a decade, this this has been a lifesaver it is a phillips the something 7000 series maybe and i'm just i'm just so very happy it has both a power and a turbo mode so regular power and then when you need that extra boost (laughs) okay so nick Uh, how many times have you used this uh three or four okay do you ever not use the turbo because i always use the turbo on mine i have never once used the turbo this is the first time using the turbo actually okay yeah once i turned it on i was like why would i not have it be at the fastest speed it could possibly be at (laughs) also like the fact that you can specify the shave you want in millimeters so once once the little uh attachment goes on Hmm. try and hold it up so you can see you turn the dial and it moves further out nice or further in to the millimeter and it's just so great and it's been doing such a wonderful job and i it's handy i can't believe i didn't i didn't buy one 10 years ago when i was still freehand <laughs> trimming my beard the the trimmer that i have yeah. it's similar so but it, rather than having a twist wheel which sounds amazing it just kind of clicks you just have to kind of push on it and it'll click okay yeah oh seemingly millimeter i've, I've had clicky ones before but the clicky one i had before only had like it was similar distance range but there were only five settings across that distance range oh, okay so like shortest yeah, was too short and clicks okay shortest was too short and long or second shortest was too long right. and it was just it was terrible i also bought a cheap one so what was i expecting yeah so my strategy has been every two weeks i trim but i trim two clicks longer so i'm slowly growing it out okay. but trying to keep it even and mm-hmm. i'm at i'm yeah. this weekend is my eight millimeter 
trim, which means I've been doing this since nice. probably around the time we stopped recording this. I I started on a five millimeter thinking that that would be plenty. And then I looked at my face in the mirror and I went, well, because I was I was doing a couple different passes with different settings and yeah. like 10 seemed way too long. And then I set it to five and did a strip and I went, huh? So my whole face has to be five now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. But yeah. So I'm. <laughs> Last week I went to 10 and I was going to try like 12, 13 this week. See how I do. Nice. I think so. What's your regimen, Mike? I use a, I guess it's a haircutting razor technically, but with a little like clip on attachments for the length that you want. Mm -hmm. So I just use that. Like I, I have a hair trimmer, like a beard trimmer, but it's, sucks like it's not very good okay this one wireless this one has another it has another attachment for hair head hair rather than yeah. beard hair right i wish my trimmer was narrower like it can't get underneath the nose very well like it's kind of like okay to get mm. there's kind of awkward mm. um but no it's, it, it works like i'm not too fussy with my beard like daily i usually like hand trim it just to get strays that i see and then every couple of weeks I'll do like a more thorough trimming with the actual razor itself. I can't imagine okay. being that dedicated every day doing what? trimming for straight. Oh, well it's not like I'm not spending a half hour in front of the mirror. It's <laughs> no, like if I even just if I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, Oh, that's some crazy hair sticking out there and I'll just trim them off. Yeah. Well, Rob, I mean Mike wants to look good and it shows. I know. No, it's it, no. I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I'm saying like I am too lazy for that more than anything else. I gotta. I I wish I could grow the beard that you guys have and then just be lazy about it because I can't. I can't be lazy though. Like I gotta like that either. Like if I'm only trimming my cheeks weekly, I start to look like the wolf man. Like <laughs> I'm getting older, and the hair is just like getting high, both higher on my face and lower down my neck mm-hmm. like i actually looked at it uh, a couple weeks ago no it would have been yeah i think two weeks ago was the the incident <laughs> of the five millimeter the incident yeah but um i had to put in a neckline because i went oh my god when did my hair get that far down my neck <laughs> i used to just have a great neckline that was there naturally and <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, I'm happy Sorry, I didn't have anything. consumer tech purchase, Nick. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really pleased with it. It's the least consumer techie tech purchase you probably could have bought. It is. But. I'm sorry, Mike. I don't think I mentioned <laughs> these blades. These blades are self-sharpening. Ooh. And that is marginally more consumer tech doesn't require oiling that's right mike it's a high-tech piece of machinery i use on my face okay i'll, I'll give you that i um, always feel like doesn't require oil oiling is just like will need to be replaced sooner <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you don't oil it it'll stop working but you don't well, have to in fairness the other shaver i have is from Braun, and i got it when i was 15 because i had to start shaving and it requires oil and has never once been oiled right so i think mine (laughs) i think mine requires oil too there's times where i'm shaving i can feel like it getting hot like on my face i'm like that's some friction Mm -hmm. Hmm. and then i'll sometimes use like baby oil in the blades okay instead of like i mean like oil's oil right no (laughs) 